Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So today on the podcast, we have our good friend, Rachel Hofstetter. And oh my gosh, guys, this is going to be amazing. Rachel is thebomb.com. Yep. She is the CMO at Chatbooks and she is a previous editor at O Magazine and her resume is yeah. ridiculous. This girl knows her stuff. So just get ready. O Magazine as in Oprah, you guys. We got to meet Rachel last year at a conference and we got to hang out with her and sit next to her all week while we were there and we really connected and um, she's an amazing human being. She's so sweet. She is truly so giving. You know, we all like to bring the people who just drop knowledge bombs on y'all and that is what Rachel is doing today. So definitely go grab a notebook. Pause right now to go get a notebook because you are going to need it. Grab some coffee, get comfy, or just zone out in the car, but you're going to want to come back to this and take a look at the show notes because we've got some awesome links in there for you because Rachel just give, give, gives, and we love it, and we're excited for you to hear from her. Awesome. We are super excited to be here with Rachel today, a little CMO of Chatbooks and a previous editor at O Magazine. So we are going to get into some meat and potatoes on getting submitted to big name magazines like O Magazine and some other ones that Rachel is familiar with. So we're going to walk you through the process of what that looks like and how to stand out from the crowd and why you even want to. So welcome. We're excited to have you here. We'd love to have you kind of start with the whole benefit of even taking the time to submit to articles um, and how that can help a small business owner or create a business owner. Thrilled to be here with the two of you. And I will be the first to say that getting PR can take some time. And when you have so much going on, right, if you are running your own business, running your own side hustle, whatever you're doing can feel like, oh, I don't have time for this, especially because sometimes it's a little bit of 
a gamble, right? You can put energy in and it doesn't always have a very direct A to B return. But I am here to say that if you can carve out that time, and it can be as little as 30 minutes to 60 minutes a week, the credibility that you get from being published, from being on TV, whatever that is that you're able to do, I think is the biggest reason that you would try to get press. So credibility, Mm -hmm. straight and simple. You get to attach your brand name, your name, your persona, whatever it is, to this other brand that has premium everything, (laughs) right? And so that's the biggest reason to do it. Like I can say, hey, I am, you know, CMO of Chatbooks. And you're like, oh yeah, Chatbooks, that's nice. I can say, hey, you know, I'm CMO of Chatbooks and we've been featured on the Today Show in Oprah Magazine and, you know, entrepreneur, top 100 companies. And all of a sudden you don't even know that much about Chatbooks, but subconsciously in your head, you're like, oh yeah, that's legit. It has to be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you can do instantly. There's nothing else that lets you do that with so few words. Yep. Except maybe saying like, oh, you know, we sell a billion dollars or something. (laughs) Then you might be like, oh, yeah, that's legit. A billion dollars, totally legit. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. But the other fastest way to get there is just press. Yep. The easiest thing is press. So that's one of the big reasons to go after it. You can see sales and things like that. And obviously revenue is a very important thing for everybody who's running a business. But that is always, I would say, a bonus. I think the absolute mm-hmm. biggest thing is the credibility and then what you go forth and do with that credibility. Absolutely. So how did you, when you were like had people submit, what was the thing that was getting you to say yes to these people? What was the difference between like a great submission and one that just made you go, ugh, again, I can't, I can't say that. <laughs> So when I was an editor at Oprah, and I've been an editor at a number of places, but when I was an editor at Oprah, I would get over 400 people emailing me a day. That's bananas. With things they wanted covered in the magazine. Uh-huh. 400. And how you you know submit or reach out to a magazine or a TV show or a blog, whatever, changes depending on exactly what that is. So there are a lot of different ways of what you are sending and what you would actually put in that email. But there's a few things that are the same regardless. And one way I look at it is I call it give, give, get. And so regardless of what you are doing, who you were pitching, what you're trying to do, if you follow three things of give, give, get, you essentially, that's your template. And so I'll do the first two. Get, first give is give good story. And so it almost doesn't matter what else you do if you give good story. Because that person you're reaching out to on the other side of the screen, it is their job to find good stories. And so you're like, great, let me give them a good story. What is a good story, right? Mm -hmm. But a good story isn't always all about you. It's something that can be helpful to people, something that interesting that you're seeing. Let's say you, you know, run a consulting business and you're seeing all of your clients have the same problem over and over again. Like, great, you have a solution to that or it's a trend. That's a good story. One way I like to think about it is that you're like eyes and ears on the ground. So you see all sorts of things that are happening. And to you, it might even see, seem like common sense, right? Like, oh, everybody knows that, you know, gray is the new hot color for walls. <laughs> well, no, not everybody it's knows It's actually grayish now. It's going <laughs> uh-huh. It's a mix between gray, gray? and beige. It's, a, yeah. it's <laughs> coming in 2017, I'm telling you. <laughs> see, not everybody knows that. There you go. <laughs> and that's what you can share with editors. Like, oh, you know, 90% of my people are painting their house is grazed right now. Wow. Because the editors don't always know that they're up in their glass towers writing away and they really rely 
on people like you who are on the ground seeing things, talking to real people to tell them what is hot and new and upcoming. And so that's one of the ways you can really give good story. And maybe you have a really interesting personal story or things like that. But I would say to do a gut check and just make sure it has you know, it applies beyond just your own life. Yes. So if you're telling a story and it's just like, here's what happened to me, done, it's not mm-hmm. really a story. Mm-hmm. It's a story for your friends. If it's like, here's what happened to me and here's what you can learn from it and the interesting things that you can go out and do, great story. So you give good story and then you give like it's a friend. And that's really important because remember those 400 emails I talked about? Yeah. At least 97% of them would just be complete mass emails. Yeah. And like, You're like, oh, you would never send a mass email to 2,000 of your friends, right? And be like, hey, do this favor for me. No, like you just want to do that ever. Instead, you'd be like, hey, friend, you know, can you help me out with this thing? And here's your name. And by the way, do you want to go get drinks next week? Right? Like you would just be a friend. And so when you give like it's a friend, you use their name, you make sure that it actually relates to what they do. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing. Going back to the original question here is you make sure it's a fit for exactly what that person writes about and what they cover, what they do on their segment, and you fit your story to what they do. Well, and that is something like it hasn't been done very recently or already because we get submissions for our blog too. I'm like, we wrote a blog post about that last week. Did you not even read our blog that you're applying to be on? And so it's, it's like a, like pay attention to what they're doing and what has already been gone through. And it can be as simple as going through their Twitter feed. Yeah. You know, if they did a story two years ago on something similar, don't worry about it. Right. But you should make sure that it is not what they are doing, you know, doing something similar, but they have not done the exact same story. That is a great point. Or something that they're against. We had someone mm-hmm. submit something that was like, and this is very on brand for us, but their article was against using curse words in your brand. And if you know anything about us, we <laughs> drop us some curse words occasionally. And I was like- they're occasional. Uh, they're, they're subtle. They're, like, they're clearly that's not going to fit well for our audience. You should know that. <laughs> exactly that. Right fit to the right place. If you give good story and you give it like it's for that exact specific person. Yep. And so after those two basic principles, there's a lot of variation, right? Like some places I, you know, literally write a whole piece and I'm like, can I submit this article? for a contributed content. And some places it's just like, hey, here's an idea that would be perfect for this section of this thing. Or here's a guest and a topic that would be great for a TV section. But I think the more you can say, I've thought through this idea and I'm not just like, hey, here's my product. Hooray. Here I am. Hooray. You're going to do so. You're just going to have way more success. Yep. I love it. Do you think it's easier for product-based businesses versus service-based to get press? Or not necessarily? Not necessarily. I think it's about where you are pitching, but also okay. what your story is. So let's use okay. Oprah as an example. Sure. You know, If you flip through Oprah Magazine, you do see lots of products, right? There's like a whole favorite thing section. You see lots of products. But if you look at all the service pieces, which are like, hey, five ways to save money for retirement and the five bad habits you didn't know you had. Those are jam-packed with service people, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are financial advisors, people who are counselors, people who are, you know, life coaches, whatever like that. And so it's just knowing again where to go. 
I think the bigger thing with service is sometimes it's harder to differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. why this financial advisor over every other financial advisor? Mm-hmm. And sometimes with, you know, socks, it's like, oh, well, those socks are lime green. So of course those <laughs> socks are different. So, but if you can differentiate yourself a little bit, like you have a book, you have some sort of credibility, you have X amount of clients, you do X amount of business, you whatever, whatever, as soon as you can get just a little bit of credibility, then I think the playing field is very equal. Well, and I think something for service people to remember is going back to the reason of why it would be worth it for them to even apply to be submitted and and featured in articles and magazines is at the end of the day, and this is what a lot of our business is based on, are we providing value for the people who need it? Yes, we may not get booked for that, especially if you're a service-based business. If I'm reading an O magazine and there's a financial planner in New York, I might now want to hire a financial planner, but probably not that one because that's not applicable to me. I probably can't afford it and I'm in the Midwest. But it's got me thinking, okay, this would make sense and this would help me. And if at the end of the day, especially as a service-based business, if you're just concerned about providing that value and helping impact someone's life, then you're golden. Yeah. You said that so well. It's providing service. Mm -hmm. If you provide service, and really that comes back to the give idea too, give good value and it will come back. And you, exactly. You might not see it right away in that direct line, but again, press is not about A to Z in a perfect Mm -hmm. direct line. It's like a big squiggly line and you put a lot out there and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, how did my sales rise? And nothing else is changing. And it's just a barrage of press, right? Yeah. Love it. That's so awesome. Okay. So I, this, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there anyone who ever like submitted and they like went after the whole friend thing, but they knew like way too many things about you that it started (laughs) to get creepy? You know what? Such a good question. Like, how do you draw the line of like, let's be friends, but I know what you ate for dinner last week. Like, you know, Yeah. I think anything that's out there in the public, uh-huh. uh, and in some ways writers and editors are out there in the public, right? Like they are writing, they are putting, you know, content producers in general are putting certain parts of their lives out there in the public. So if it's something that's out there in the public eye, then I think it's fine. Like, again, you want to, you don't want to be super cheesy about it, but especially if it relates to their professional life. And a really easy way of looking at that is, you know, at Oprah, I covered everything food. And so it's very obvious that I was a food person. Mm -hmm. And so to talk about my work or to talk about food or to say, hey, there's a new restaurant and thought you might want to go and grab lunch there. And I, you know, heard it's amazing. Sure. You want to, you know, see it like that all makes sense. Like assuming that there's a food thing there. (laughs) And then for a time, I had a blog that was pretty public. So again, anything off a blog was fair fodder. I think it's just saying, is this public and out there in the public domain? And then referencing it, maybe not directly, like on your blog last week, you wrote about making oatmeal. (laughs) But it can be like, hey, you know, I know you're probably interested in healthy breakfast recipes. So it's just shifting it a little bit. Short answer to ask that question, like, did it ever feel creepy or weird? No, it actually feels more annoying if somebody's totally off. Yeah. Like when somebody sends you stuff about reviewing cars and you're like, wait, what? Like, no, not at all. No. That's just not even what I'm I offended. <laughs> yeah. It feels because you get so few things that are actually legitimately personalized, it feels really nice. It's like somebody took the time to send you something and I I would always, always at least respond if it was a truly personal thing. Mm -hmm. And so like if it was obvious this was not a mass email, I would always, always, always respond. 
Love it. Well, I, I think it's funny you say that because I, it, even if you're not after trying to go get submissions, like just in general, like use this suggestion in all parts of life, because we've got, we get so many emails, people, anyone in business, if you're doing any sort of successfulness at all, you're getting a barrage of emails all the time with ideas and pitches and this and that and the other. And I know the people that we've responded to have been the people that went out of their way to like be in our corner. Like Mm -hmm. our editor, we hired our editor because she's like, I see you put out a ton of content and you probably need someone to help you. Like, yes, we do go through all of it. And I was like, yes, I didn't even know I needed an editor until she emailed us. And then I was like hired immediately. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Totally. Well, at chat books, I probably, you know, we're a successful business and we get tons and tons of people emailing us for like business services every day. Right. Like we can optimize your SEO. We can do this. We Mm -hmm. can do this. And again, it's just like when I was Oprah, 97% of them are just complete auto emails where they've scraped my email address from LinkedIn. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm just not into this. Mm -hmm. But I get a couple a day and usually there's somebody who has tried the product out already. Sometimes they take a picture of themselves with the product. Like, oh my gosh, I just got my chat books. Love them. Want to reach out. Doesn't mean I will use their service. Not necessarily at all, but I will at least listen to what they have to say. Yep. And so it's kind of like, yes, you could send a billion mass emails and get nothing, or you could send five emails and at least have conversations. Well, even if you maybe don't need to hire them or work with them, all of a sudden they're top of mind. So if you need to recommend them to someone else, that's that's where that connection is going to be made. Yes. And that's how those like six degrees of separations are formed from that. That happens in uh, media as well. So maybe that editor or that producer doesn't have a place for you right now. But I saw this happen so many times where somebody would say, oh, you know, what? I have somebody interesting that I've kind of tucked away in a folder in my email. Mm-hmm. And maybe they would help be helpful for this story. And it can come back literally 12 months later. Awesome. Where things will pop up for us and we'll be like, oh yeah, that was like 12 months ago. And they pass it on to a colleague and the colleague's like, oh yeah. And it's because you're friendly and you're personal and they actually remember you. Yep. That's love so it. Awesome. So I want to like jump backwards just a little bit. So you yeah. say you get this article in and you're like, yes, like I want to move forward with this. What have people done for you that has made your job easier after the yes versus people that have slowed you down and made you frustrated? Yeah. Two. That's such a great thing. A couple things. First, if we, let's say you're a product and you need to send samples, just like send as many samples as they need and give abundantly. Of course, if it's like a really small outlet and you're like, oh, I can't afford it. But if you're, it's like only go after your dream outlets anyways. Like anybody you're pitching, you should be really pumped to want to be in there. And so you should go all out to get them what they need. So it's like give them what they need. And, you know, I'm remembering a company that I won't name, but, you know, we were shooting this perishable product for the magazine, a huge spread. And to do that, we did need a lot of it because when you have, you know, two photographers and four food stylists already, you don't want to all of a sudden realize you only have two of this perishable Mm -hmm. product. And so like, great, we were asking them for like 24 of them or something. And we would have just gone down the street and bought them, but they weren't available in New York. So like, it was kind of a big deal. But also what I remember from that is that it was such a hassle to get them. Mm. And it was like only a hundred dollars difference for them, right? Like, sending two or sending 12. And so it was like, please just send more. So I only tell that because 
it's like if they're asking, usually there is a reason. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just send product like crazy if there's not a yes. But if it's for something like a photo shoot, just Yeah, send. what do you need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you guys get that. Like, again, give abundantly. Mm-hmm. But another thing I think we can under overlook sometimes is speed. So a lot of times media is hurry up and wait and then also hurry up and wait. And so you might be like the magazine's not coming out for four months. Why do they need this by 2 p.m. today? But I am so, so fast at responding to everything media because after being on the other side, oftentimes there's somebody who just decided they want this Mm -hmm. and it's either going to happen or it's not. We overnight stuff all of the time for samples right now, literally big name story that's coming out. We overnighted them the stuff last truck out last night. They got it by 8am this morning. They're filming with it this morning. You just have to be really, really fast. And so I will always be on my email, just checking that type of stuff. Be fast. Be fast. The way you can be fast is to be organized ahead of time. So have a press kit, which can literally just be a Dropbox folder with photos, a little bit about who you are, a link to your logo. Like I use that Dropbox link, you know, at least once a day. And so when somebody asks for something, it's not like I have to go gather photos. It's like, here's the link. I can literally respond to them in under 60 seconds oftentimes. That's a really good idea. Yeah, just have it all ready. I have it copied. Like the link is copied. So all I'm ever doing is pulling the link, pasting it into an email. Done. Yeah, we're attaching Uh, our bio pictures and our bio, like every email. Yeah, put it in a Dropbox link and then you're (laughs) only copy pasting. It's much easier to like put it as a canned answer in your Gmail, for example. Uh, Um, That's happening. Yeah, Yeah. we're doing that. (laughs) And the same thing with samples, right? We have a whole closet full of samples that are super easy to send out. So when somebody's like, I need samples, we're not stressed and scrambling. It's just like, great, put them in the package, done. That's awesome. Yay. Well, I want to take it back even like further, further to where, okay, we know it's a good idea to do this. We know how to make it easy. We know how to get noticed. But literally, what are the things that someone needs to be looking for on how to actually, like, where is the email? Where is the submission form? Who do we contact? What's the subject line? How do we even get that started before we can even try to worry about it actually being opened? Yep. Awesome. So you've already got the story. You found your story. Let's leave that aside. Actually figure out where to send. And sometimes this comes first before you even come up with a story. I usually put them back and forth a little bit. They tag team each other, but you're going to play detective. Mm -hmm. And so it really starts with fun homework, which is where are the top 10 places you want to be? And so I like to think of it almost like when you're applying to college and you have your safety schools, you have your right there in the middle schools and you have your reach schools. Mm -hmm. And if you only went for Harvard and Yale, you know, like you might not get in anywhere, but it's good to try. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of having a mix, you know, your safety schools are your local newspapers Mm -hmm. and your mid reach might be like, you know, writing a piece for entrepreneur online Mm -hmm. and your reach could be today show. And so don't overwhelm yourself. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. 
Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. For the magazines, you get that magazine. I can't stress this enough. Actually get the magazine. Get a couple of issues and read it. Look through it. Look at the masthead, which is the page in the front and tells you who works there. You know, use that and say, oh, okay, so who did this? If she's the home editor, she did this home story. I want to talk to them about the grage walls. Great. (laughs) This is who I talk to. It is a little bit of sleuthing, but it's not that hard if you actually watch the show or get the magazine or read the online thing. And then something I like to do is back up. Like, okay, I think this person is the home editor. Let me just double check that assumption. It's go to LinkedIn. It's Mm -hmm. super easy. It's like, okay, type in home, home editor, sunset magazine and boom. Yes. It's who I thought it was. So then there are some templates for emails and I can share this with you if you want to put it with the show notes or anything. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, Yeah. I'll share the whole list with you. And so what you want to do then is say like, okay, what company publishes this magazine or what company runs this TV show? Because there's only about 20 media companies that do most major things. And so if you can either do that and say like, oh, timing publishes sunset, 
and Time Inc.'s email format is X, Y, Z, you know, like first initial, first name, last name at timeinc.com. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if that's actually, I think Time Inc. is actually first name underscore last name. But we'll send you that. <laughs> so once you know that, you just plug and chug. Yep. And will it every single time? No, but 85% of the time it will. And if you can't find that, like look online and see what else you can find mm-hmm. and say like, oh, okay, especially for smaller newspapers or blogs or things like that. Yeah. Maybe you don't see the exact person you're looking for, but you can find somebody else's email. And then again, you just literally mash this thing up and you get an email address. I love there that. are sorts of fancy, expensive databases. I think this works just as well yep. and actually helps you make it more personalized because you have to find that exact right person the old fashioned way. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love it. So many people are like, but I don't know the email of the editor at O Magazine. No one knows that. Like you have to find it. You have to dig around for that. Well, oh. Rachel knows that probably. But. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, this makes me go back to like my intern days. Ugh, I used to work for an ad agency and one of my tasks was building like a master spreadsheet of every business within like three counties that would be a potential client for my biz, the, the guy in charge. And so it was literally hunting down emails and physical addresses. And you would be shocked what information is just sitting on the internet if you're willing to Google all of the right things. And I swear, even if you're doubting the email address, especially, I will say, hint, like just Google the email address Mm -hmm. and you can see, oh, it appeared on these pages. So it's probably legit. And I mean, worst case scenario, you email it and it bounces and you're like, dang it. And you just keep digging. Then you keep going. So (laughs) I will tell you guys, I was at a conference and a woman who was Let's just say I'm not going to actually say because but a very, very, very important woman was there. And it was very important for me that I got to talk to her. And so I crafted this email and I was like, let's just take a guess. You know, this is a very important person. Let's just take a guess. And I took a guess and I just did first name at company. And you know what? And it it worked. worked. (laughs) And she wrote me back 10 minutes later and I met with her. And it's like, what if I had been like, I don't know her email address, Mm -hmm. right? And I had literally 20 more email ideas ready to go, right? Mm -hmm. Like first name dot last name, first name (laughs) underscore last name, right? Like all people are not that original or clever when it comes to their emails. So like tell you, even like a lot of the famous editors and producers might have a variation of the regular company format, but you can still guess it if you just try a little bit harder. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're never that crazy. It's always It's not like I'm the boss at <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to make that one. <laughs> awesome. Guess so away. Yeah. Let's I this is one of my favorite things. I've heard you talk about this a little bit and I love this exercise and so I really think this could be actionable for a lot of people like okay, digging through the emails, we've got our story, we've figured it out. I've heard you talk about how to make that title, the subject line, the headline, whatever that catchy grab is super sexy and spinning it. So I would love for you to talk about that a little bit and give some exercise strategies for people to to do it on their own. Yeah. So once you have a story idea, right? And your story idea might be like how to take better photos. Let's say you're a photographer. You're like, oh, advice I could give is how to take better photos. And a lot of times if you're not, you know, in journalism, you would stop right there because like that feels like a solid, solid story, right? There's advice. It's actionable. But when I say how to take better photos, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, I want to do that. But there's nothing that hooks you. And so by giving something a spin is really just a fancy way of making it hook you a little more. So there's a few things you can think about how to do that. The first is to make it more specific. 
And so anytime you can slice and dice that, you know, if you go on any website, it's not like 10 places to go on vacation. It's like 10 places under $99 to go on vacation when it's snowing outside. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, for this exact thing, because people, even if that's not speaking to you, your brain automatically wants to know the more specific thing. So let's say we want to take better photos, right? It's like, okay, can I get more specific? How to take better iPhone photos? And one way you can get more specific is to make it super timely. And so- I love this one. Right? Like how do you take photos in 2000, let's say 2017. How do you take photos in 2017? Well, you take selfies and you take them on your iPhone and which filters and which editing things do you use? So all of a sudden there's like 20 different narrow slices of stories in there, which is how to take a better selfie how do you, you know, the two filters you need to use right now, the new way to use the iPhone seven to take your best photo yet, mm-hmm. right? It's like, just dive into that in 17 layers. And so it's all, you know, all of that advice could fit into how to take better photos, but the more you can take a slice of it and make it feel really right now, because sometimes it's like, oh, well, you could have written a how to take better photo story in 1920, <laughs> right? Like that could have been a story in 1920. And so, but you know, how to take selfies on your iPhone seven could not have been a story in 1920. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of it like that, it's what makes it really right now. Oatmeal, right? Let's say you want to write about oatmeal. In January, you're going to write about oatmeal entirely different than you would in July. Yes. And it's like how to have hot oatmeal, you know, two things you need to do with oatmeal to make it great for dinner. Or in the summer, you would write like how to have cold oatmeal, overnight oats, like the could you, would you believe you could eat oatmeal in the summer? <laughs> right? It's, yeah. it's not rocket science. It's really, really simple. It's just what makes it work right now. And this idea that, great, you have all these other ideas for other things. Great. Make them other stories. Mm-hmm. They don't have to all fit under your biggest umbrella story. Mm-hmm. So going back to that grayish idea, right? Like why grayish is the only paint color you need in 2017? Yep. Instead of what you should paint your house or something, right? (laughs) Right. And also have an opinion with it. Like if you notice more and more stories online are making a statement. And so you're like, oh, yeah, it's not – you don't have to be equal opportunity for everybody. You can be like, yeah, great is where it's at. Like not story. (laughs) Last thing on this is something I like to do is think about would you click if this showed up in your Facebook feed? Mm -hmm. And you can even test this by putting it out there for your own friends and stuff or giving them two things and saying, hey, which one would you want to read? Or I have these three ideas, which one would you click on? There are a lot of news organizations who actually do this themselves where they will take, you know, three headlines for a story, test it on one social platform. BuzzFeed does this. this. Yeah. And then uses the best performing one to do it. So you're kind of doing that exact same thing before you pitch the story. You're like, hey, friends and family, which one are you actually interested in? Yep. So I have a question about the timeliness because you say like making it right now. Do you need to be mindful of when right now is for that editor? Because yeah. I, I, I want to keep in mind, like some of these people are working a year and a half in advance, <laughs> which is yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> that is such a good point. And really like fast formula is online publications, like blogs, things like that, or anywhere from really two days for something that's super timely. Like if a news event just happened, that's super timely, but really like two to four weeks. And TV is something very similar. TV is usually two to four weeks, unless it's something again, just happened. And all of a sudden you have a hook on it. Like if all of a sudden 
you know, oatmeal became a study came out that said oatmeal will change your life and is the number one thing you should eat for longevity. It's like, great. If you have an oatmeal story, you can be on tomorrow with that. (laughs) Otherwise, two to four weeks. So, but so that's your online and that's your TV. Radio actually moves at a pretty similar thing. But then there is print in general, whether Mm -hmm. it's newspapers, you know, long, let's say Sunday styles of the New York Times. That's at least four to eight weeks and probably leaning again on the two months out. And for some TV, if it's like a really set up thing, like gift guides, you know you're going to be sharing a gift guide thing. You are at least four to eight weeks out with that. And then magazines are the crazy ones, which are like easily six. I mean, you can do it six months out. Sometimes for things, I'm like, you should be putting the first stuff in there seven months out. But like to give you an example, we're in a ton of gift guides this year. And we Mm -hmm. pitched all of those magazine gift guides really starting back in June. So that's like a good six months right there. Pay attention, people. That's super handy. (laughs) Write all that down. (laughs) Yeah. You want to know and think about it. Like the worst thing you can send to an Oprah magazine editor who's just works on the magazine is something right now and say, hey, I have a great idea for the holidays. And they're like, dudes, I'm working on summer reading right now. So thanks. See you next year. Bye. And they forget about you by the time they're working on it. Well, they also just feel like you're kind of clueless. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I would be more like it would just feel kind of like, again, knowing who your person is going back to the very most important thing is also knowing what their timeline is. Love it. Awesome. In the same way, though, you would not want to send a website a story six months in advance. Right. Oh, right. Like you can, no. you should not pitch BuzzFeed on holiday gift items in July. No, they would just would be, be like, so uh, annoyed. <laughs> yeah, they'd just be like, uh, no, not what I'm doing right now. No. So it really is knowing your general time frame, And don't stress too much. Is it like, you know, two days or two weeks? It's like short term and long term. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I think keeping in mind that, I mean, everybody has their own schedule and they're going to have ebbs and flows and you just be conscious of how much content they're putting out. Like obviously Buzzfeed is putting out, I don't even know, 14 million articles a day <laughs> versus you know, like we're putting out one a day, but now we have other channels. And so we're putting out a podcast and we might have a YouTube video that releases the same day as a blog. And so those three things all at the same time, you just have to be conscious of or like, are they pushing out a ton? Or if it's a magazine, they may be working on the same piece for a while. Mm-hmm. Love it. Exactly. It also lets you know what cadence to follow up and pitch new stories. So you know, if you don't hear back at the first time or they're like, thanks, whatever, you can always follow up nicely once or twice, but then move on to a new story. And if their cadence is that they're churning out tons of content, you can follow up with new stories way more often. Mm -hmm. Whereas like at a magazine where, you know, at Oprah, I would have three or four stories a month, which sounds like a lot, but it isn't when you're getting so many pitches and stuff. And so sending me a new story idea every other month or so is a much better cadence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what do you recommend for someone who doesn't hear back from anyone? How often could they be either repitching that same idea? Maybe someone just didn't see it. Do they need to tweak it? Do they need to try something else? And how do they continue that personal conversation when they've mm-hmm. never really heard back from someone yet? Yep. So I think you get one really easy follow-up, especially if you don't yet have a relationship. If you have a relationship, like you've done something before, you get a little, you've got some more options, which is by the way, one of the other great things you can get once you get a press piece is you do get that relationship to build. But if you haven't heard back, I would say you get one like free follow-up. 
which is like something fell through their inbox. I will say do not send that follow-up like the next day. No. Unless it is something (laughs) super timely. And sometimes I say these things out loud. You all know them, but I'm just saying it out loud. No, I love it. I cannot believe how many people make these mistakes. Do not send it the next day. Send it, you know, a week. A week is a great time period. Like Mm -hmm. they were on vacation. They were busy. Who knows? You can always send another one that's like, you know, want to check in, how can I be helpful, et cetera, et cetera. However, the best thing you can do in any situation is add a new thing to it. And so like, hey, want to follow up on the, on the below, by the way, you know, we've sold 20,000 of these our first week on sale. So they're a big hit. You don't always have that. But if you have it, or it's like, hey, thought you might want to this new layer to this story I said, which is that people are painting their walls gray, but actually it looks like that trend is even bigger. You know, gray is now the color of the year for floors too, right? Like <laughs> who knows? You're just, if you can add one more little piece. We of all live in prisons it. now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> gray prison. But if you could add something, and of course the longer in between your follow-up, like you obviously don't want to wait a month, but you know, if you have three weeks, sometimes you actually do have new news or you add another take on the story or you have another company that's doing something similar and you're like, oh yeah, they could be part of this too. It's only like a one sentence update, but it makes your follow-up feel like a give as opposed to like, look at me, look at me. (laughs) So you don't have to do it, but if you can, there's also like, you know, I've seen some cute things that might get overdone at some point, but for right now, you can always sometimes say like, oh, you know, thought it might've got lost in the email snow or... (laughs) whatever, whatever, whatever. Like it's Mm -hmm. worth trying. Yeah. I think calling stuff out like that is helpful. Like whether it's cliche or not, it helps me know what your intentions are for reminding me because like we get that too of like wanted to send this your way again. And it's just a short blurb. Here's all the repeated information. And I'm like, I saw it. I just haven't had time to respond to it. Sorry. And we all of a sudden feel defensive because we're busy too, Mm -hmm. but like making it humorous and making it, giving people that freedom to I know, you know, you have a lot of stuff on your plate and it's okay. Here I am again, just in a polite, funny way. I think goes over a lot better. Yeah, I love that. Another thing that's a little bit of a hack, but again, just a way to stay top of mind without making people feel bad about it would be to get on social media, like a post, write a comment, not a comment like, did you get my email, but like, (laughs) love this, right? Did you get my email? Retweet it. It's like, I can't tell you how many times somebody would retweet a tweet of mine And then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to get back to their email. And so it's really subtle. And again, part of the reason you can spend time doing this is that you're only going after 10 or so places at once. So you can be pretty proactive about how you do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way of just reminding people without having to remind them. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, I've I've definitely felt that guilt trip a couple times. Oh I'm yeah, like oh I missed your message, but then I, you just liked my Facebook post that I was ignoring my email with or whatever. Yeah, so I totally get that. Good redirect. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about lengths of like these yeah. pitches because I feel like a lot of people are going to go in feeling like they have to over-explain themselves, and so I mean, how short is too short? And then like, how do we not write a book? So I like to think of it as three sections of whatever the pitch is. And each one of these sections can literally be a sentence. So section number one is introducing yourself and somehow saying that, you know, this is for them. And so you want to give yourself really fast credibility, whatever that is. And you can say, look at all of your stuff and say, you know, 
for YouTube, it's like, hey, we have this company and the podcast and X number of viewers really fast or something. Mm -hmm. You kind of look at your whole ecosystem and say, what are the things that make you most interesting and that you can use very quickly? Going back to that press credibility, right? It's what are the things that make you most interesting? And sometimes it is another press hit. If you, like, you have been featured as you know one of the most creative people by Fast Company, mm-hmm. it is worth saying that. Although you can also put it in your email signature, which is a little bit of like a humble brag trick. And so it's like there, but you don't have to say it, but it still like catches their attention. Anyways, email signatures are great for doing that. Mm-hmm. But you very first sentence is a teeny little bit about you, enough to make them say this person is legit. Ideally, you are linking, you know, the beautiful deep links, not laying out the whole URL in the text. Let's well, not. Hyperlink, hyperlink people. It is amazing. Mm-hmm but you're hyperlinking to your website and you're also making sure your website looks legit. Mm -hmm. And I know I keep saying the word legit, but just have a friend look at it really quickly and be like, does this look like something that an editor is going to say like, all they're going to look at it really fast and be like, oh, are these people like for real? Mm -hmm. They might not dig any deeper, but your photography has to be clean. Your types have to look modern. You can't have any typos. Basically your website cannot look like it was made in Blogspot in 1995. Love it. Check that. Uh, if you're deep linking to that, you're giving a little bit of credibility. That is half a sentence, but it is a very important half sentence. Then there's a half sentence that somehow is relating it to them. You know, I am a fitness personal trainer who has been, you know, featured on Jillian Michaels or like has done work with Jillian Michaels. And by the way, I know you love to write about burpees and I have a burpee idea for you. Boom. Cool. And so done. One sentence. And then you go on to the burpee idea. Like I have a way that you can do burpees for, you know, a whole workout of burpees and believe it or not, it's actually fun. Sounds like death. That sounds terrible. (laughs) All the story ideas I make up on the fly sound terrible. (laughs) No, no, no. Doing that sounds terrible. (laughs) And so great. There's the story idea. And then you're ending with your call to action. And so your call to action is, you know, I have six ideas. One of them is X, Y, Z, maybe, but you're really just giving them a preview. And so maybe your sentence above is I have an all burpee workout, including burpees that you do with your kid on your back or something. (laughs) I have six more ideas. Would love to share. What do you think? And I like the line. What do you think? Like it. When can you talk? How can I help? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Would you like to hear more? Like, can I send the piece? If you're actually sending a piece, like some places have you submit content, some don't. But you're ending with that call to action. And then it's your name. Done. That's or it. If you're Easy. A great call to action if you're a product company is, you know, what's the best address to send some to? Or, you know, hey, we'd love to send you one of our new swimsuits. Just respond with your best size and the best address will get that out to you. So I'm just going to recap that really fast. Yeah. Here's your first sentence, which is introducing yourself with credibility and tying it into them so they know it's not a mass email. Second sentence or second paragraph is a very short preview of your story idea. And then call to action. What are the next steps? That's, That's awesome. super quick. I love it. So good. Yeah. What yeah. about the the subject line of the email? Do, do you think ones work better than others or not necessarily? I, so I have tried a ton. I think it's one of two things. It's the story idea. You can make it going back to those headlines of what is your story idea. You know, if I say, hey, the all burpee workout you need to try It's like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I'll talk about burpees. That sounds kind of interesting. I haven't heard that before. Where if I just say like, hey, new ways to lose five pounds, 
that doesn't really sound that interesting. But like, hey, how to do burpees in seven minutes a day and have a great workout or something like you can get a little more interesting with your story idea in the subject line. I like using their name in the subject line, if it makes sense. Like Rachel, want to tell you about this all burpee thing. But <laughs> if your story applies to what they do, there's really nothing wrong with just putting the story in the headline. Mm. And if you're making the rest of it personal and it's super short, I think there's that. I don't think you have to be like as gimmicky as you might think because this is their job to be looking mm-hmm. through this stuff. But they are, once they open the email, it's like half a second really quickly do I want to pay attention to this? So it's more about what's in the email and making the subject line relate to that. Love it. Awesome. Well, we are now at the time. I know you've given so many action steps, so maybe we can just recap, but we're at the time for the talk strategy to me. And so if you want to recap or if you have other action steps that you want to give, we really like to break it down to about three steps, three-ish steps that you can give for our listeners to take away to either start implementing some PR reach out strategy for their own business, ways that they can craft their story better, subject lines, et cetera. You know all the things in regards to this. So cool. Well, we've done a lot of specifics. So I'm going to start with a really big mindset, which kind of was part of the give, give, get we talked about at the beginning, but editors are people too. And I think if you remember that they are real life people doing a job, but who want to be treated like people, not robots up in, you know, some sort of place, just churning out stories. If you think about like, how would I want to be treated? And you do that. It literally makes the whole thing a work better, but also way less intimidating. One of my biggest, you know, surprises in life is when I went from being an editor to an entrepreneur and I found out how many of my fellow entrepreneurs were kind of terrified of the media. And I was like, guys, they're not scary. I promise. Like they're real life people and you can just give them things that make their lives easier. Just like you would with a client, like the people you serve in general. And so as soon as you approach it from that standpoint, then the whole give, give, get thing makes even more sense, right? Because you're helping this real life person out by giving them a story that is useful to them, that helps them do their job better. And at Oprah, like my job performance was literally based on finding good stories mm-hmm. and you're helping them out with something that is actually interesting. And then you're giving like a friend, which is going back to that real life human piece, right? You're making their day feel like they're not just an automated person here answering emails and deleting things. You're giving them something that you took time on. It makes sense for them. You're being really helpful. You're saying thank you if they write a story on you. You're saying thank you even if they don't, right? I can't tell you how many times I would work really hard for somebody and then the story didn't come through and they would just like never even get back to my email. And it's fine. Like I get they're busy too, but at some point it's like, well, great. I'm not going to try to help you again. Mm -hmm. And so like realize that they are trying, you know, they have their own hierarchy that's going on in their own publication and news happens, things happen. The more you can just keep being friendly and helpful. And yes, sometimes will you like turn to your business partner and be like, oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) But keep being friendly and helpful. Mm -hmm. Then you really do get these things. And I think a lot of times we think the get is just the story. So like, great, we got a story moving on. And I think that's where you lose a huge opportunity for positioning, as we talked about at the very beginning. You know, that brand should be associated in your email signature, your website, your store, if you have a physical location, other pitching, 
you know, your newsletter, your social media. We share everything we get in all of those places. And it makes it seem 10 times bigger, by the way. And so like a piece of press should never exist in a vacuum. Like, great, we got it moving on. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, now you sing it to the rooftop. Yes. You tweet it. You help that editor, that writer, send them page views, you know, like, great, your people are reading it. And then you get the relationship, which again, we've touched on, but that relationship opens the door so much more, whether it's at the publication where they're at currently, people move around in the media all of the time. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with somebody at one publication for a story and six months later, you know, I've kept that relationship up. They're somewhere new and lo and behold, there's another story. And so that first hit is just the beginning. So that is, that's give, give, get, which I know we've touched on, but I feel like it's a really easy way to just keep those mindsets, which is give like it's a friend, give good story, and then really take advantage of whatever you get. Yes. Love it. Thank so you awesome. so much for being here. We had a great time. And it was I know so fun. You two are <laughs> yeah. the <best. laughs> Oh, well, I want to know where can these people yes. hang out with you? Goodness. Social media. So I'm Rachel Hoffy on Twitter, Rachel Hoffy one on Instagram. And then, so I run all the marketing at Chatbooks, which you can also find everywhere. And they're super easy photo books and really, really fun. Love and then there is here. a PR school at doprschool.com, which takes you through how to do a lot of this stuff step-by-step. Step. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you well, so thank much you for so being much. here. Yes. This is awesome. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.